the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join Michael Fields for today's edition. All right, we are back on another episode of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. Today, uh, we have with us Jonathan Finer, who is the VP of Ready Colorado, formerly the Chief of Staff. Uh, for the Republicans in the state house, uh, with session just starting, there's uh, a bit of an adjustment, I'm sure, for you not being there every day. Uh, Jonathan, first of all, welcome. Uh, and second of all, how's it going, kind of not being in the Capitol every day? Well, thanks, Michael. I appreciate the invitation to be able to uh, come on the podcast with you. I was actually just down at the Capitol yesterday, and on one hand, it felt totally normal to be in the building, but recognizing that it's a different uh, approach to not being there for 12 to 15 hours a day was uh, a nice little change. And I think uh, Minority Leader Lynch and Assistant Leader Puglisi are doing a great job. Uh, certainly, it's no secret that uh, the November elections didn't go the way that uh, some of us hoped for, but I think they're doing a really good job of working with the uh, tasks that they've been uh, handed. So um, the team's great. Uh, the, the new members are great. I mean, two thirds of that caucus of the state house for the Republicans are brand new. And there's a lot of eagerness and energy to do as much as they can for their constituents. So uh, it's really cool to see that. Yeah, I think there's no doubt that, you know, these are people who represent a large uh, area and a lot of people in in Colorado. And I'm excited about a lot of them. I think they're talented uh, and, you know, hopefully can get some stuff done, even though they're in the minority. I think most people who listen to this are probably familiar with Ready Colorado. You guys have been around for a while, but those who are not, tell us a little bit uh, about Ready. Yeah. So Ready is focused on ensuring every student throughout the state, whether they're in a public school, charter school, private school, homeschool, has the best access to a quality education. And so we want to uh, work to get policies enacted uh, that ensure that that is able to take place in Colorado. Yeah, and I know you guys have had uh, you know a lot of success, a lot of influence on the education debate. I can think of a couple of years ago when every legislator, uh, Republican legislator, ran a bill on education in some way. Obviously, Ready was a big part of, of that. Um, I, I think you know, looking at the fact that you mentioned that you know there's a uh, conservatives <laughs> aren't anywhere near a majority here. What kind of issues uh, in terms of education are you guys starting to look at, uh, you know, given this next two years of, of session and what kind of what's going on more broadly in the state, right? There's school board races, there's all kinds of stuff that are going on. What's Ready really focusing in on? Well, I think first off, I should say education reform, going back to the 90s when the legislation passed here in Colorado, uh, has made such great uh, inroads here in, in Colorado and offering alternative approaches to quality education. and. I think following the COVID pandemic, when we saw school lockdowns and uh, students learning online, uh, we're now seeing 
a major learning loss uh, as uh, we saw in testing results last year. And so we really are focused on, uh, among numerous objectives, working to get policies enacted that get the students in Colorado back on track. I think one of those uh, ways is addressing in particular the math learning loss. Um, the numbers are just atrocious that uh, students aren't uh, doing uh, math at grade level right now. And so uh, the governor's uh, office put out uh, their budget recently to um, propose efforts to uh, devote uh, resources to provide or seek out solutions. Um, and so I think that's an area where we will work to uh, deal with the hand that we've been dealt with, with numbers and work with the governor's office to try to collaborate on those legislative efforts to invest in high quality math, instructional materials, and professional development to improve math outcomes for, uh, for our students. Um, I think another thing to mention kind of as part of that is accountability. Um, it's no secret that lots of schools around the state are closing and um, I think on one hand, you want to ensure that students have as seamless of a transition to a decent education if their school has been closed. And so uh, looking at one, if a school is failing, if there's a certain timeline that uh, that school has not been uh, doing well, that we have uh, pretty strict consequences for um, ending that and making sure that the students can find another school and be transported there uh, to to continue their, their education and hopefully have a much better uh, uh, education received. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point about COVID and the loss, uh, both, you know, obviously math is probably the worst, reading also bad, and we already weren't doing great, uh, you know, across the board in a lot of our schools. And so thinking of that accountability piece and knowing that there were, you know, COVID was a hard time for a lot of people and a lot for education. Uh, and then on the, on the accountability side, you know, figuring out how do we hold uh, schools, teachers, principals, everybody accountable for making up uh, this this learning loss and trying to balance, you know, what's realistic and, and, and not. And so I think, you know, looking at various schools that are doing this well or thinking innovatively, uh, which, you know, is, is one of the reasons why I'm a big supporter uh, of school choice. But I think looking at and I think school choice really gains some momentum you know, during COVID, you have more people choosing other options uh, because it really forced people to think about education. And so I, I think, you know, you mentioned Colorado kind of being a leader on school choice for decades now. Do you think that's under threat at all right now? Do you think, it, you know, it's going to gain even more momentum? Where are we at in terms of our school choice debate in general? I wouldn't say it's under threat. I mean, there, there's always uh, individuals, legislators, uh, teachers, unions, that see public charter schools as a threat to, to funding. And so there's always going to be antagonists there. However, I think by and large, the vast majority of Coloradan uh, parents and students, uh, especially post COVID have seen the uh, fantastic benefits that school choice brings. Um, and, I, and I wanna you know, specifically point out, this isn't just private schools or homeschools. These are public charter schools, right? Schools that serve areas that um, are, are both in potentially well-off areas as well as socioeconomically challenged areas. And that's something that, that I'm passionate about, that Reddy is passionate about, uh, is making sure that regardless of a student's 
um, home situation or background that they have access to the best possible education. Um, and it's through uh, research driven and innovative ways. Yeah, and I think that's that's so important. As a former teacher, you know, I taught fourth and sixth grade, and I think about kind of our system in general. And you talked about, you know, the the learning loss that's going on. And anytime that we're failing our kids or not giving them a quality education, you know, if you're failing for one day or one year, that's a year or a day they can't get back ever, right? And these are people who are going through, kids are going through the system every single day. And if something takes a decade to do it, they're through, you know, already through a lot of their education. And so I, I'm so glad that there are groups like yours out there who are focusing on this day in and day out, uh, because it's so important for that individual kid, for that individual family. Um, I wanted to move to talk a little bit about kind of the financial side of this, uh, our education system. Um, there's a few uh, measures that are being talked about, different stuff. But I know you guys have also been working kind of on school finance and how money is allocated within our current budget. Any thoughts on that heading into to, to session this year? Do you think there's any going to be any changes to our, our school finance system? I know there are certainly discussions going on uh, with the makeup of the General Assembly right now. Uh, I can't say for certain how that may end up, but uh, from Reddy's perspective, when it comes to um, modernizing the school finance formula, I, I think we would love to see legislation introduced that would reduce or eliminate the cost of living factor, uh, for instance. Uh, I think that revision would result in a formula that's uh, much more student focused, uh, more equitable, and, and will better support student success. Um, so generally speaking, that's a major area where I think we, we could see uh, some inroads, and uh, we would certainly applaud that. Before we talk a little bit about this uh, potential Tabor refund measure, they want to take away our Tabor refunds and put it towards education. Do you have any initial thoughts on, you know, I look at the last few years, Governor Polis has obviously put a huge focus on putting more money into education. We had a bunch of COVID money come in. We've had a spike in terms of the money that's being spent on it. Um, you know, without, I, I don't think without any huge results that have shown that we are improving vastly. Uh, any kind of thoughts over, in general, you know, the amount of money? Because always the criticism is, right, there's not enough money. We're not paying teachers enough. Uh, you know, money, there's just not money there for our education system to be healthy. Any initial thoughts about the amount of money that's being spent or if there needs to be more, et cetera? Right. And education is a perfect example where always from the government perspective use here, we just need to keep giving more and more money to it, right? And who's going to argue against that? Um, no one. And so I think if you scratch below the surface a little bit, you'll find that if you look at teacher pay and, and the growth of the number of teachers in the state versus administrator pay and the number of administrators in the state, you see a giant disparity where teacher pay is relatively stagnant and administrator pay is uh, growing. And so I think that's an initial area where we don't necessarily have to look at continuing to grow an already large budget. I think the governor's proposal this year was $42.5 billion. I think mm -hmm. uh, anyone off the street would say, hey, I think we, there's enough money already there to, to address the concerns. And so I think we need to look at reforming uh, how we uh, pay teachers and look at the growth of the education system itself. Um, I you know, you were, you were a teacher. Um, I have many teachers that I look fondly upon who were very influential in my life growing up, and uh, they made big differences in my life. And I would want them to get higher salaries, uh, teachers that are very high performing, 
that have good results, uh, they get rewarded accordingly. And I'd much rather see them get uh, a major raise than continuing to hire um, various administrative support staff. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, you know, you have too many people who won't even go into teaching or leave teaching that are, would be very good or are very good teachers uh, because of the, the pay issue. And I've just seen more and more money go into the system and, and it not funneling through to the teachers or the classrooms. And, you know, you look at the, the U.S. Department of Education puts out numbers uh, every year and it goes back kind of two or three years uh, before but basically shows how much money is going to quote unquote instruction, actually getting into to classrooms. And our state just doesn't do very well with that. You know, we're at 55% right now of, of the dollars that go to instruction when, you know, surrounding states, Utah, 63%, Nebraska, 62%. Like we're just behind some of these other states. And so I think it's frustrating to see, uh, you know, a, a lack of that money getting to teachers and to your point, getting to good teachers who deserve to get uh, you know, compensated for the great work that they do. So I think that I'm glad that you guys are are on that issue. I did mention, uh, you know, our taxpayers' bill of rights, one of my favorite subjects here in Colorado, uh, and the fact that we do have an over $40 billion state budget right now. Well, if you remember last year, uh, Governor Polis and uh, legislators came out and said, we're going to do the Colorado cash back, right, which is money we were going to get anyway because of Tabor, but sent it out in the check, $750 uh, you know, over $3 billion of Tabor refunds that were owed to us were sent back. And if you look at the next few years, uh, at least billions of dollars is still going to be coming back to taxpayers. I think it's $7 billion over the next three years. Uh, but there's a proposal to take that away permanently, right? To take those checks away, take the Tabor refunds away permanently and put it towards education. So, uh, you know, I, I was wondering kind of what your thoughts are on that proposal, if you think it will get through uh, if you think that it will pass because it has to go to a vote of the people, et cetera. But what's kind of Ruddy's position on this Tabor refund referred measure? Well, I think the bill, the referendum bill has not been made public yet. So we can't say for certain what it's going to look like. It may be going through some last minute changes. But mm -hmm. from what I've heard, uh, it would be a referred measure. So the governor doesn't need to sign it. It would go to the people to say, hey, these additional revenues that would be going to you into your uh, pockets, the money that you've already paid in excess to the state, um, we're going to divert to K-12 education. Uh, the, the ominous part of the bill that I have heard about that I imagine will stay in there is the definition of what constitutes uh, student support staff. So rather than just saying teachers, um, the language that I understand is in there is much more vague to include administrators, um, school bus drivers, and even anybody, within the, anybody, you know, the, the janitors, the folks that work in the cafeteria. And, and of course, this is not to disparage those yeah. folks as Lord knows they play an important role in keeping the schools going. But even some of the funds um, could go to uh, updates to the school buildings. And of course, there are school buildings that are uh, needing updates. However, if we're going to be giving money to uh, the education realm, I think it should be going to teachers. If it's not going to at least be going back to the taxpayers whose money uh, that was uh, to begin with. Yeah, that's a, a great point. And I think we're going to be watching this very closely uh, to see what, you know, it ends up looking like if it does get through. Uh, obviously, we had Proposition CC on the ballot a few years ago, 
uh, which was going to take these Tabor refunds, put them towards education and transportation. This newer measure would just be education. So uh, I think watching that and and talking about, I mean, Governor Polis in his state of the state talked about how much more money is going to be going into per pupil spending. I think it was like 30,000 extra dollars per classroom um, that more and more money is already going there. And one thing that I point out, too, is that we're going to see a huge spike in property taxes coming up next year in 2024 because values have gone up so much in our state. Well, half of those property taxes go to our education system. So the education system is going to see a huge influx of money regardless of this Tabor refund. And, you know, those that money tends to be more certain than are the refunds going to be there or not? Are we over the cap or not? Right. That can change year to year. Uh, another issue that has been talked about recently uh, has to do with transportation uh, and how that impacts our uh, education system in general. Any thoughts on that transportation discussion that seems to be uh, happening right now? Yeah, so we uh, were are looking to find uh, just legislation that would foster innovative solutions for all of K-12 public school students, um, especially the students who are accessing off-site career pathway opportunities or attending charter schools that maybe are outside of their district. So uh, I know there was a bill last year run to uh, implement a grant program uh, as an innovative way to address this topic, unfortunately, um, uh, didn't get through. And so this year, looking at alternative means of getting something like that through, because uh, especially for rural districts who don't have the resources, to to provide uh, much alternative transportation. I think there's a solution that needs to be found and and we are certainly working on that. Good. I think that was a, an important bill that came up. Hopefully uh, it comes back up again this year. Any other issues that you think our listeners should, should know about right now, should be tuned into uh, when it comes to education in our state right now? I think we're also looking at ways to get parents more engaged in schools. Uh, I know there are some policy discussions around uh, how to get them more involved at schools, whether that comes through providing some sort of tax credit incentive uh, or you know, other means of doing that. Because at the end of the day, you know, parents are are the best overseers of their children and, and have their children's uh, best intent um, in mind. And so uh, that's something that we really want to focus on as well as really empowering parents that help empower the students, uh, as well as empowering the good teachers that are uh, showing good results. Yeah. And I think that's really the key is looking at what is the education system for? It's for uh, children and for their parents to uh, be engaged, to pick the the best options for them, et cetera. And so I think sometimes we lose focus about what this is actually uh, about. I guess, I guess one last thing is how can people learn more? I know Ready puts out great information all the time. How can people learn more about the work that you guys are doing? Yep, you can always Google us at Ready Colorado. Uh, our website is R-E-A-D-Y-C-O-L-O.org. And uh, would love to hear from anyone who wants to uh, get more involved uh, or has interest in, in specific uh, proposals that we are working on or solutions that we are uh, trying to uh, to seek out. And um, yeah, really appreciate the opportunity to uh, partner up with you today, Michael, and, and uh, share some of what Ready is doing. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll have to have you come back, give us an update, especially as some of these bills drop or ballot measures happen or some of these big changes uh, could happen to our education system. So Jonathan Finer with Ready Colorado, uh, thanks for, for joining us today. Thanks, Michael. It's been a pleasure.
All right. Well, thanks for uh, tuning in to this edition of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. We'll be back with another episode soon. You've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, brought to you by Advanced Colorado, the conservative thought leader, driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues. Find them at advancecolorado.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.